Welcome to episode 270, yes, 270 of the No Persinium Podcast, the voice of everything immersive, coming to you from the source of everything immersive, the No Pro headquarters in Los Angeles, aka the Baby Yoda laden kitchen table. Uh, this week on the show, I'm not here. I mean, I am, but I'm not because I'm on vacation. My annual vacation, which coincides with my birthday because I'm one of those people, which uh, is also part of the origin story of No Pro because many, many years ago, uh, I took this week off to go to New York to go check out two immersive theater shows to find out what this was all about, uh, taking my interest in games and my degree in theater, and uh, this thing emerged out of it. Uh, so uh, our... Our joy, our curse, who knows? It's what we do. This week on the show, however, um, this is releasing on October 23rd. October 24th is my birthday. On October 26th, on October 26th, it is going to be uh, the last show at Think Tank Gallery. Uh, our friends at Think Tank Gallery are doing their last show uh, for this current incarnation, and, and it'll probably be some time till they're back, at their location in Skid Row in Los Angeles. Uh, Think Tank's right there at the edge where like the Arts District and Little Tokyo and Skid Row just kind of like meet right there. That's where Think Tank dropped in about 18 months ago, two years ago. And uh, obviously for most of this year, they haven't been able to do anything really. Uh, we have Jacob Patterson on the show to talk with us. It was originally, we thought this was going to be like a melancholy look uh, uh, back to the past, because Think Tank's been a very important part of Los Angeles immersive scene, uh, whether that is when they were, uh, you know, uh, alone, alone's like big breakthrough show uh, was done at the Think Tank. That's the one people still, you know, buzzing about years and years later, people still buzzing about the show that happened at Think Tank that alone did, uh, you know, uh, uh, there've been escape rooms, there've been pop-up activations, uh, caught, had its immersive premiere uh, at Think Tank. Just, it's always been a, a big part of, you know, who we are as uh, as an immersive scene, as an immersive culture in Los Angeles. And Jacob Patterson has been the guy working behind the scenes on all that, just working, working, working. Easily hardest working man and immersive in Los Angeles is Jacob Patterson. And he couldn't go quietly into that good night. Which brings us to tonight's format, a three-parter. Segment one, Jacob and I. Segment two, the creator of the final show ever at the Think Tank Gallery as it now exists. That show is called R.I.P. White Jesus. So, you know, Think Tank not going quietly, like I just said. R.I.P. White Jesus. And it is by Saudi Arabian comedian and filmmaker Hisham Fagi, who's known, best known, for being the creator of Saudi Arabia's first ever rom-com. So... Going full force here. Um, you're gonna get to that segment, and you can tell you can tell actually that that in, there's a segment where like Jacob and I are like, "All, oh, how did that go?" Um, we're gonna get to that segment, and Hisham is working that Nathan Felder, Sasha Baron Cohen vibe. Like, I'm still not sure what happened. Um, I know where we went. I know where we started, but it's all kind of a blur. 
Um, and it's absolutely fascinating. And he's just coming in at this angle, this like 45 degree angle at, uh, at our entire culture. And it's, it is, it is something to hear. It is something to hear. Uh, and like I said, I, I just, I just don't know. I don't want to qualify it too much. Uh, this, this is the kind of stuff that as, as a broadcaster, you both live for and are terrified of all at the same time. Cause you just don't know where things are going to go. And we hadn't talked before and yeah. So there you go. That's a setup on that. Let's do, um, and then, and then Jacob and I come back, uh, afterwards. So let's do this thing. Uh, recording this just a couple days after I, I normally record, so so no new backers to report and whatnot. We are just two backers away from our next big milestone, 350 backers. Uh, you are listening to this the day before my birthday, so I'm not above, <laughs> not above saying it's my birthday. Uh, and uh, yeah, there's there's so much more to come. There's so much more to do. There will be a show next week. I don't know what it's going to be. Uh, it's probably just going to be a really simple show. Maybe just me, me and Catherine, maybe me, Catherine, Anthony or something like that. Um, I hope you enjoyed the week that's been, uh, please, 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 uh, check out the rest of the stuff that's in the feed. Uh, we did drop our last two episodes of the DuckTales, uh, deep dive. <laughs> yes. In this show, we're going to be talking about RIP white Jesus. And now I'm going to talk about DuckTales. Uh, we did, <laughs> Jacob loves that. So Jacob, Jacob's a big fan of the DuckTales one. So it's for him. Uh, so is Anthony. Um, <laughs> those two episodes are in there. And then if you go over to the Patreon, and this one's open up to everybody. It is hosted at the Patreon, but it is free. Uh, from the Here Oasis weekend, uh, there was a business roundtable, like a, a study group on uh, business topics. And uh, that was uh, that was headed up by a gal named uh, Lara Marson, who is uh, doing some organizing inside the Everything Immersive group on Facebook. And uh, Ricky and Sarah uh, of Pseudonym Productions, who co-wrote the Immersive Industry Report, are on board. And so are David and Lisa of Room Escape Artist, who write the uh, Escape Room Industry Report. So they're on board. So lots of knowledgeable folks having the conversation in, in an open roundtable format. Uh, also there for you, absolutely free of charge, up there on the Patreon. Uh, you do not have to give money to get that. It's just doesn't cost me anything to host it there. So I'm being I'm being cheap. I'll admit it. <laughs> we got no budget, people. Uh, those ducktails eat up a lot of space. Okay, so there we go. That's that. Let's uh, do the thing where we thank all the people who keep us alive and uh, going all the time. That would be our sustaining backers. And those are Mark Balthazar, Jan Budman, Paul F., Lonnie Hanson, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, Samuel Mustry, Sidney Guillory, Jeremy Charles Hahn, Emily Gillette, Brittany, and Elaine. Thank you all. Patreon.com slash no proscenium is how you keep us going. And now your weekend is ours. Here's this gigantic episode uh, where we say goodbye to the current incarnation of Think Tank and uh, actually wind up looking a lot at the future and being hopeful for what we see. You're experiencing this one uh, in a reverse order, uh, mostly because uh, what you will experience at the end of this show uh, is um, 
it's uh, I'm not going to say it's a mirror universe uh, to to our own. It's it's all too real in so many ways, but it's it's not your typical your typical no pro fair. In fact, I might actually you know what we'll do we'll we'll do a little post as well. I'll, I'll take a moment here. Uh, t- today, the voice you heard at the beginning of this, uh, you know, one of our classic, just falling into it, but we've been at it for a while now, uh, episodes. It's only 8.35. It feels like it's much later. I don't wow. know why. Right? It feels way later. Um, it feels like it's been more than a year since we last did a show. Maybe like it 27 does. years. It, it does. That, that voice is Jacob Patterson of Think Tank Gallery. We are talking about uh, Think Tank Swan Song in the Arts District in Los Angeles. Uh, both the show R.I.P. White Jesus. Uh, we're going to have the show's creator, Hisham Fagi, up in a little bit here. But first, Jacob and I are going to tag in. Um, and who knows how the, exactly how the show is going to go. We'll talk a little about and then do Hisham's thing. We'll come back. We're, we're riding right now. Uh, we're riding with Biden. Um. <laughs> Settle for Biden. We uh, let's call it like it is, man. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's Skid Row. It's not the Arts District. Okay. Skid Skid Row has also grown since that fateful Friday the thirteenth in March. That that so. is oh well yeah that's I can I can only I can only imagine. Um, so ten years now, Think Tank. Uh, it's one year of hiatus. Uh, and now, and now, and now this, um, moving out of our second place in a decade. Yeah. And this time we're not, maybe not coming back. We'll see. It's, it's, I feel like for this entire, this entire moment we're in right now, it feels like series finale. (laughs) And, and I just, I'm just wondering like, you know, like oh, man. One I way... never thought of it that way. Yeah, because like season finale is all, like it's always how I felt, and it's always like that was a great season finale. Like there's lists of best season finales of the 2010s mm-hmm. or whatever, and yeah, series finales is like the thing that people like they criticize them for years and years and years and years. Like the Sopranos or you know whatever. Like it's always it's like a thing to talk about, and yeah. now that makes me feel I don't know of some type of way. I think what you just said there is like 2020 in a nutshell makes yeah. you feel, I don't know, some kind of way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't look, all I know is like something's going to fill the time slot, right. To take this metaphor all the way. Right. Uh, something's going to fill the time slot. Uh, after next month, whether what's going to fill the time slot is like a, 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 like a brand new like series, maybe like starring some old favorites or, or it's going to be like one of those weird like reboots. <laughs> like yeah. it's like all the, it's almost like, like, like when they do, mm, I know what it is. It's like a Ryan Murphy show. It's like all the, the American <laughs> horror stories where it's like, it's all the same cast members, but they're playing new characters. Like that's, that's what maybe, maybe that's what we're in right now. We're in one of those. Yeah. And, and with either, either way, either way, all the same cast, but, but, but they're all in new roles and that's what we're facing right now. Like we're getting another season of something, but you know, which, which is it going to be? Is it going to be the good ones or the bad ones? I still also haven't seen any of that show. Like, I don't know why it just hasn't happened. Yeah. It's, Um, uh, it's, it is, it is wild. I think we say in, in the conversation with Hisham that, uh, I did, I did not want, like I always knew 
that we would fucking redline this shit. We would crash into the rocks. Like, like I always knew, like think tank can't go out any other way than that, you know? And it's, I did not want to go out with a whimper. And so we took our, <clears throat> we're going down swinging for sure in terms of content, but in terms of what can we actually do, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to have a fist fight when you're socially distanced. <laughs> like going down throwing haymakers is different when you're six feet apart with a mask on. So yeah. it just, uh, yeah, it just, it's, it's crazy. I, there's no way in hell I could have predicted this or that for the next two days, I will be virtually running Frogtown's art walk. Like, like that's the work that I'm doing now because I've just become like a zoom pro. It's like who, who could have ever predicted anything like this at all? 10 years yeah. ago, I would have never predicted it. a year ago. I would have never predicted it. So uh, that's one of the things, I mean, this is what's weird about the moment right now. And so we're going to talk to Think Tank, or I was going to talk a little bit about, about you and where you're at. Because um, they're, not, they're not one and the same. I think that's, that's something that's it's, it's come, come a little bit more like that over the past couple of years. But, but there's, there's a distinction between Jacob Patterson and Think Tank. Like they are not the same entity. Um, even they, though I mean, they were the for a really long time. Yeah. I mean, you, you were always the heart. Uh, and and nine times out of ten, you're also the, the head. So, um, but you you are doing other stuff. Right? You're doing serial killer speed dating, and that's one of the things that's unlocked all your Zoom powers. That is true. the The reason why serial killer speed dating online is not currently a think tank show is because and we get into this think tank had not said anything in the public for a year. And we were like, I was like legitimately thinking like, what the hell am I going to do? And we, and we talk about it, but I, February, March, I had loaded the calendar up right now. I was supposed to be hosting like three shows in October and I had it all loaded up through the year. I just finished a ton of renovations through like Christmas, new year's, like all of that. And I, we were like ready to launch a new, like collaborative residencies is probably the best term for it. But I was doing, we were doing a bunch of drunken devil shows. We were doing shows with some people from San Francisco who were going to come bring their immersive productions down to LA. Like we had all this stuff lined up. They were like month long to two or three month long residencies. And I was like, cool. Like we finally did it. We finally got the business model down. Like we, <laughs> we're finally not like, I've got the calendar loaded up. Everything I make, every dollar I make from this point forward in mid February is profit. And now we can look at the calendar, see what's available and, and load content into the calendar that doesn't necessarily have to make money in order for it to exist. And then wham. Friday the 13th in March <laughs> yeah, happened. Just wham. And we were like ready to announce everything with Think Tank. And I was like, ah, we can't, let's see what happens. And then April hits and then May hits and then June hits and then July hits. And like, obviously our government dropped the ball. And um, to put it very, very, very fucking lightly. And we were like, what the I hell try not say? to think, I try not <laughs> to even think about like if we had done what was necessary in I March, know, April, May. I know. I know. Right? And so like, we were like, I was be, just like, mm. after all this, I'm like, what the fuck do we say? And I'm like, well, as a gallery, we have a responsibility to address the uh, problems the solutions, I suppose, well, the problems with which we most identify 
it might be a weird way of putting it, but the problems with which we feel most afflicted, I suppose. Mm. And we've worked with so many different artists of so many, so many diverse backgrounds that I was just like, you know what? We've got tens of thousands of followers on Instagram. We got almost 20,000 followers on our newsletter. We got this venue that's beautiful and renovated, never seen before. I'm just going to fucking give it to somebody. So like, what's the, what's the thing that's coming to my mind that needs to be addressed as like the last thing we say potentially forever, probably for not, but like for this period. Right. And it was, the toppling of racist monuments, that image was just burned, burned in my head. So I started asking around to artists and activist friends of mine and, and was introduced to Hisham and we get into that conversation later, but um, that so, was it. So give us, give us a, a moment here just on, on who Hisham is. Uh, if, and I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to give away too much. Of what, actually, you know what? Let's do that. Let's do We'll do it in the after. We'll do, we'll do a, a cool well, I'll, break. I'll, I'll say, he the first time I talked to Hisham was not about this. It was about he hit me uh, like he he was asking around for an immersive producer who could help him do immersive comedy, and I am a uh, a fan of Steve Martin from the uh, like the art collector pretentious standpoint, and mm-hmm. um, he has he he's he's written many books on on art his, art history and art collecting. And one thing that he was saying was like comedy in art has not yet found its footing in fine art and uh, it needs to. And that's like what we're all looking for next. And I was like, you know, I've been to, I've done a, like think tanks done immersive art, uh, comedy and art stuff before we did a, one of my favorites, we're walking down memory lane. So I'll share the story. But one of my favorites was, it was a, it was a comedy show where they had, it was in trap house, I think, which was our escape room, like tech enhanced escape room that we did inside of a, um, gallery show of like special effects uh makeup monsters at the same time as guillermo 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 del toro's show was at lacma um and we had some of the same artists so we got a lot of good press on that one and then we loaded up the calendar with events as well you know related thematic events and and uh nina tar she's she's getting pretty big but she did a comedy show where it was like they did uh audience members eulogies and they would bring a random person on stage. The comedian would interview them. I think they got 60 seconds. And then they would go into the back to write their eulogy. And the audience member would go sit back in the crowd. And uh, like the gist of it was that they would get put into a coffin and like lower down while the comedian read their eulogy after only knowing the person for 60 seconds. And it was hilarious. But the funniest thing of the entire night was one guy, because they would like, you know how the host does his little set in between the comedians or whatever? Yeah. The host set, all he did was he got, is it inducted into into a church? Is that what you call it? Like when Baptized? you go, no, when you get like accepted into a church, is it called inducted? Mm. I should know this. I'm doing a show about fucking white Jesus right now. I think, I think it adopted into the church. There's a word maybe, for it. Maybe like I'm not, you know, I'm not, you're not the best person to I ask mean, Noah. Because like, I know that people do get, people get baptized into the faith. Okay. And, well, it's definitely and confirmed. Not like Catholics confirmed, get confirmed. confirmed. That's it. The confirmed right? was the word I was looking for. So he okay. got confirmed into the uh, 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 satanic church of some kind. I don't want to say it was the church of Satan, but at satanic church. And all he did, so he was like legitimately a, a priest and he could like confirm other people into their religion. Mm-hmm. And all he did was literally word for word, redo the ceremony and confirmed every single person in the audience. It was like, he did it super deadpan, just like 
how you fucking treated me when we talked to Hisham just now. And <laughs> he did. Learn skill of mine. Uh, <laughs> he just, just like you back, but yeah, <laughs> he like screamed like a Baptist preacher, but he didn't crack a smile ever. And we were crying in the audience, and it was like we were. It was like immersive, insofar as we were all being confirmed into a satanic church, but. It was, and it was like we were in an art gallery and there's like all this stuff around us since an immersive art show. But it was like, he, he literally just did the ceremony. And at the end he was like, all right, you are all now members of the, the, you know, the Church of Satan or whatever it was. And we were laughing. He was like, no, I'm serious, you're members. And like, we just kept laughing and he just kept telling us I'm se- until we stop laughing, like I'm serious, you're all members right now. So I may or may not be, if he could have been lying, I don't know. I've never confirmed that the ceremony was legit. Well, you, you, you know, I don't know, like, that, that cracks open a whole discussion about faith and intent and consent and like, and it's, it's, it's there to be had. Right. But like, yeah. um, point, point is, yeah, Hisham wanted to do an immersive comedy show. I told him that same story I just told you. And he was like, okay, this is, this is my spot. And I think he wanted to do like a, I think I told you this before he wanted to do a, um, and he, and he still might, but it was like a, um, like a, a 32 chambers almost, of um cancel culture oh yeah I think don't, what it don't was. give that one away don't give I that won't, one away. i won't but that was what we originally talked about and then yeah. i was like nah man i need to do something like think like i i still thought think tank was going to still be here when i was having that conversation right. with them i was like oh we'll get through to the rent relief part of quarantine and uh he, oh, and I then, remember, I remember conversations having people where <laughs> they're like all like just remember like they're gonna forgive everything like they won't yeah. be and so it's like mm, mm, yeah, yeah yeah and so yeah. i and so at that point i was like all right who who can I, I think i was actually marching after um the george floyd murder and i was thinking like i have to like we have to do something about this we have this platform, we have this place, we need to just give it to somebody. Who can I give it to? And I was like, I wonder if I can hit up the person who organized this march, like the first thing that your head goes to and be like, what would you do with my place if I just gave it to you? Because like normally we charge a lot of money for that and our whole platform and everything. It'd be like five figures plus for all that stuff and uh, and, and production and stuff. And I was like, no, nah, I'm going to try to find someone who's like a think tank artist as well because we're still an immersive arts gallery. So we still have to do something that involves immersive arts. Otherwise, it's not going to hit with our audience anyway. And I don't know how, how well this will or will not hit because it's very dense and uh, hilarious and opaque and satirical, but and and hard to follow at times. Um, but basically, in my conversations with Hisham, I was like, "This is a think tank show for sure." So we'll uh, we'll go down swinging at White Jesus on our way out. Not bad. I think that's a good setup for what folks are going to hear. The heart of this, so. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, we, we nearly, we nearly just did, we nearly just dropped everybody in and, and we're not beyond that, but just, uh, that feels like a good orientation. And then we'll be back after that. Well, I have no idea what I said in the cold open because I haven't recorded it yet. Uh, but luckily, even though in any other world, in any other version of this year, one, this probably wouldn't be a, an episode about the last show at Think Tank. Right? Right, Jacob? This like, We probably wouldn't be doing the last show. What do you think? That's so true. I was just uh, telling my woman today that uh, 
I would be in my third show or my second show of October going on number three right now. Yeah. Yeah. We're recording this on October 15th. This is coming out, uh, the, you know, either, <laughs> either I'm going to do a double, double show this weekend or it's going to come out on Monday while, while I'm off and, and just, you know, leaving the world behind for a little bit. Um, but this is, this is actually going to be about the last show at Think Tank as, as Think Tank, uh, you know, rides off into the sunset and we'll get more on that in a moment. But Jacob, uh, you, you brought along the creator of the show and the show is called RIP white Jesus. So I think this is going to be just a little, you know, simple, not controversial conversation about, about to have. And we uh, we're joined to the creator himself. Yeah. We're talking to the creator himself. Oh, in all senses of the world. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, and that man is Hisham Fagi. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I have not got a chance to check out your work yet. So uh, you've got me, you've got me over a barrel and I'm sure Jacob's uh, tried to translate for both of us uh, to each other, but what, what do you have cooked up here? Um, Cause Jacob's told me things and I'm like, what the F is going on? I mean, simply put, uh, the work is supposed to be evocative rather than mm. argumentative. Mm. And, um, to use Heidegger's words, um, it's just the ends of man. <laughs> the ends of man. Yeah. The, the I will. I will. Uh, I will uh, interject to note that right before he said that, you you meant to you meant to say uh, all senses of the word Noah, and you said all senses of the world in the context of me calling Hisham the creator himself, and oh. uh, I think that was the it was the perfect uh, soft lob for him right there. Might have been. Uh, Freud, Freud seems to be in the house tonight. If, if, if Heidegger's in the house, I think Freud's also in the house. Um, Hijam, uh, wh- wh- why, why a show uh, about, about the white Jesus? Uh, he's, he's very popular here in America. Uh, he, he's sometimes mistaken for Obi-Wan Kenobi, who I adore. Um, uh, f- famously, grandmas can't tell the difference. Uh, why? Why now? In in the year twenty twenty, uh, in the time of COVID, uh, doing a show uh, about this this iconography, which uh, really you know uh, motivates a large part of the American society. I mean, those who unify their divine relation to the truth become decreasingly obliged to share their internal values with the church. Um, and simply put, this is violence and metaphysics. Um, and it's fascinating rather than traditional. Um, so Bangers. Viol- <laughs> what? Bangers. Um, yeah, we, uh, we, if I could take a crack at that one too, Noah. Okay. We, um, it was a year. It was literally a year, actually to the day when I put out the newsletter um, and announcing that we were, it, it might've been the the newsletter in support of uh, Hisham uh, as a, you know, the first thing that we were coming out the gate with after a year of silence. But our, our last show before that was, it was a, uh, use the word punchy tonight. It was a, it was a punchy show as well. It was our like, like foodie selfie palace, um, like pop-up museum thing 
the cheesiest um, ticketed attraction in LA. And we didn't do anything for a year after that. I was like doing renovations and all sorts of crazy stuff. That's right. And, God, uh, it's been it's a year. Time is so plastic right now that like I couldn't even tell you how long ago that show was. But you're telling me it's a year. But like I'm sitting there going like, oh wow, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Either was a it, year or 25. I can't tell the difference this year. I but, feel um, more like 25. Maybe 33. Uh, but we uh, we um, I was like, what the hell? How the hell do you like? come out like Rip Van fucking Winkle after this year. And he, like, I think Rip Van Winkle came out in the Catskills after this, the um, civil war, I think it was. And um, was like, so like what's going on? And the whole entire nation landscape had changed. That's how it felt for Think Tank. It's like, what does an art gallery do a year after September of 2019? Uh, like for the whole time we were like, I was working on renovations in like February, March, I'm, I load up the calendar and I'm ready to announce everything. And then it's like, Oh, holy shit. Like that was going to be our coming out was like February, March. And I was like, we need to, we need to do, we, I mean, we have to do something else about this. And the image that was burned in my head was the toppling of racist monuments as the, you know, remember masks will remember black lives matter on the NBA finals basketball court and uh, racist people stopping watching football and basketball and all that shit. But uh, the image that was burned in my head was the toppling of racist monuments. And uh, I asked a friend, he was like, you need to meet Hisham. My friend Phil America, I've worked with many times. And um, Hisham was like, let's go straight for the boss battle. And the boss battle being Jesus. White white Jesus, Aryan Aryan in particular. Um. I was I was struck by Hisham something you said uh, metaphysics and violence and metaphysics. Mm-hmm. So where, where does the where does the violence come come in? Like how visceral is the violence that we're talking about in terms of this piece? Hmm. Great question. I talk about this uh, pretty frequently. Um, this idea of Dianotics or this idea of representation and selfhood being a reflection of white Eurocentricity. So if we think about it in Foucauldian discourse of language, it feels like, you know, not to use a pun here, but a sadomasochistic bathhouse in which your adjacency to white cis heteronormativity actually makes you closer to cleanliness and godliness. So the intrinsic pain that one feels, or rather the hegemony, um, is deeply rooted, almost cosmological, if you are not close to white malehood. (laughs) All right, where are you going with that one, Noah? I mean, actually, like, there's there's a degree to which it, there's, there's a, there's something there, right? You know, like there's, it got me thinking about the way cameras are. Now I know, I know some, I know some of what we're doing is, is kind of skirting around a, a few things, but um, you know, there's, there's a, there's a real problem with the way uh, cameras are set up or the way things are lit Right, like you, you, this is this is a problem with the way with how cinematography is often uh, approached and taught, in that it favors 
uh, favors white people, right? Like the, like that's who was, that's who's been being you know shot on film for so long. Like some of the film formulations go that way. And you'll, you'll see, like, you'll watch like a, you know, you'll watch a movie, <laughs> particularly I would watch a Christopher Nolan movie. I'm thinking of like interstellar right now. And you'll get a, you'll get a black actor in there and they'll just, they'll just be lit wrong. Just completely lit wrong. They'll, they'll look, they'll look too dark in the frame because of how he's lit the scene because of how he's lighting that actor. Like they're, they're not aware. And he's working with, you know, the, the greatest cinematographers on earth and whatever it is about when he's sitting in the director's chair, like it's not going, I haven't gotten a chance to see tenant yet. So I don't know if he does a great job with David Washington. Uh, I, I would hope he would, uh, if you're going to have your protagonist be a black man that you would get over that. But, but that's what I started thinking about when, when Hisham was talking right there was about the, the image of just the way the, the white image is processed and what that means for um, what it says about the value set. I don't know. Hisham, is that resonating for you? Is that, is that where you're, where you're, 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 you're headed, you're, you're going for? I mean, in in the white supremacist liberal apparatus of soft power, uh, Hollywood is definitely the beating heart of it. So, our performative ind- indifferent automations of anesthesis is imperceptible at this point. <laughs> you know, what does it mean? That's that's really, and I'm asking this rhetorically. You know, um, we we end up just producing a new logic, uh, an unheard of conceptual form. Um, and that's when, I, yeah, it's, again, it's anglophonic. Um, it tends to erase any Eastern sense of knowledge of existence and how that points down, you know, in a genealogical sense. I, uh, I do want to ask on that particular note, because this is one of the first, you, you touched on it, Noah, without having any clue or even the uh, capacity, I guess, to have any clue with everything we got going on here. But um, one of the very first things that Hisham and I talked about when I met him was uh, the casting call, casting real self-tapes, and the American Idol voting system. So we've been thinking about um, white Jesus in the context of literally American Idol, like the reality TV show, throughout this entire process. So I would love to. Uh, yeah, how does that sure get reflected in the work? Which um, one of you um, two to throw that at? Um, I almost want Noah to take a, a guess at <laughs> what we've been talking about the whole time. Well, I, I mean, I think I think this this runway is for you guys because, uh, um, yeah, like uh, how does that get reflected in the work? The the, the reality television self-tape angle well in particular we uh we put out a casting call to become the new jesus Mm. so we we literally put up a like gibberish was it aramaic hisham yeah uh, i'm getting the thumbs up neo aramaic (laughs) and uh like a real casting call and put it up on like casting forums all over the place and we hit up a bunch of like actor friends and stuff we have um, I think, is it the, the woman who plays AOC in Space Force? Is that Ginger? Yeah, 
yeah, Ginger Gonzaga, she, she put up a, a, a tape and then um, just a variety of people put up. We got like porn stars and like vegan food only fans account people cook cook shows cooking shows and all, all sorts of crazy people have submitted wait, 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 hold on. stop stop wait vegan only fans food like is you it, said porn stars a second ago and then you were talking only fans like like that that makes sense but there's like what vegan only fans i don't understand i'm i'm not even being facetious my producer, here my producer's telling me that yes it's look up lizzie love uh do it in incognito mode um but uh yeah, so there's just been this hilarious variety of uh, people who have submitted to become the new Jesus. So uh, basically, like 2020, on November 3rd, we move on to a new world, and um, the old gods don't serve us any longer. Um, and uh, it's time it's time that we find the new ones um, in the new world. And uh, they, may have, they may have always existed, but the ones that have been in power here in America have been the wrong ones. So we're, we're casting a new one. Is that right, Hisham? Absolutely. Uh, we think about this concept of democratization, right? Um, especially in this, you know, binary of bipartisanship. Bipartisanship. Um, it's all relative, right, to what is the phenomenology or the existentialism within a specific structure. So, if we think about what it means to be displacing a specific divine figure that was ultimately a false idol. Um, what does that mean? Because we're ultimately building one layer of trash over another. Well, one layer of trash <laughs> over another, but just is something that between. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, because Jacob, I, I think about people are saying when they say it. I, I don't know. You were two I of my favorite. I was like so excited to introduce the two of you. That was like one of my favorite things I've been looking forward to for so long. But like, so one one layer of trash over another. I mean, you know, and one man's trash is another man's treasure. Like, it, if there wasn't something that was resonating. If there wasn't a, a beating uh, heart in there, it wouldn't attract that many raccoons. And yet, there are so many raccoons who are who are attracted to this this trash, uh, as you call it. Have you have you in your exp exploration of this this idea? Have you have you found uh, what what brings all the furry bandits to the yard? I mean, it's to to the untrained eye, it looks like historiographical archaeology just being reduced to its basic form, but it isn't. It's, it's, it's way more complicated than that. And, uh, and I, do, I don't like to talk about cosmological events in an arithmetic fashion, because I just I think it's disrespectful to the way that we're supposed to think. Again, this idea that certain knowledge is innate. So I just ask, if we are created in his image, capital H, then who are we? Hmm. So, so in recasting, literally recasting the, 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 the role of Christ, what does it mean to reforge the image? How does that reflect back on, on the people of tomorrow? It's just, a, it's just a reflection, just as you said. Uh, it's the use of a socio-cultural mirror to specifically highlight American ethnocentricity 
and the idea of individualism, which is a byproduct byproduct of capitalism. Yeah, we we literally went down went down the line, <clears throat> and um, I'm, I'll, I'll say this: uh, we've put out a book already called "R.I.P. White Jesus." Um, I think it was printed today, actually. And so anyone who's ordered, it's it's going out in the mail this week. And um, so much we we work with a uh, Asian American uh, curator. Her name's Tatum Hawkins, and a uh, um, Haitian American Catholic uh, augmented reality artist uh, who literally glitches out white Jesus so that he's he's no longer visible using the tool of enlightenment, the augmentation of your your smartphone, and it's very relevant that the word smart is in that in that uh uh symbol of what we call it um and so many of the there's curatorial statements um for each piece that was selected throughout the last i don't know five six maybe seven centuries and um so many of them talk about the fact that the the uh god that we worship is shaped for for, for them the god that they worship is shaped like the very people who oppressed them. And mm. he wasn't shaped that way in real life. If he truly existed, he wasn't shaped that way. So the fact that we worship him in that, in that form, it's, it, our, our goal was to de-link or unlink um, white supremacy from white Jesus. And uh, like I said, the, the old... And like Hisham's been saying much more eloquently than I, the uh, the old God just doesn't serve us anymore. So it's time to cast a new one. And make yeah, the old one invisible through there's the tools a, of augmented reality. There's a, we'll, we'll we talk about the tech side of it for in a second. And I want to try and maybe illuminate, you know, some of the actual uh, dimensions of, of the, ex- the exhibit that you guys are, are putting together uh, in a moment here. But something you said, you know, it reminded me there's a there's a picture circulating around and it, it's been resonating with me. And I think it's I think it's circulating right now largely because of the Supreme Court hearings. But um, uh, there's there's a great photo and it's of a, of, it's of a woman. It is a white woman uh, holding a, a protest sign at some event that says, you know, there there were no there are no white people in the Bible. Think about it, right? You know, and and it's true, right? You know, like the closest maybe you get are the Romans, and that's like you know, that's the ones who that, put them on the fucking cross, right? You know, like we, you know, that's and depending on depending on you know what era of America you're in, the Romans wouldn't have been white uh, to like you know, 100, 120 years ago to the the people in in power, uh, you know. They would not be able to recognize, you know, a Roman as as a white person. That's no longer true. That's been part of the adaptation. That's been part of that melting pot uh, that was that was so popular for most of the 20th century. And then towards the end, everyone realized, oh, that's maybe not the right way to go about these things. Yeah. Um, we have we have biblical Romans now. They drive cop cars and <laughs> um, they do put yeah. people on crosses um, who who don't, you know, uh, uphold the law, whether it's right or not. Uh, Hisham's actually working on a really uh, clever piece um, that involves an actual real life cop car. And uh, we've been walking up against the line of multiple felonies so far in our in our pre-production. Um, it, it just like various forms of uh, 
conspiracy and abduction and abduction uh, conspiracy and things like that. So I would love to hear uh, top level what Hisham has to say about that piece that he's been planning with a, uh, a, a an Arabic American artist right. that we've been working with. Thank you. Um, the, the, to comment on what you were saying earlier, the um, the American neocon Christianity, it really does mask its uh, anti-Semitism in very colorful floral language in fulfilling its prophecy to reach Armageddon, or as white people call it, Armageddon. Um, it's all for this, you know, this idea or a concept of a rapture. So the idea that America was supposed to separate church and state, yet here we are, um, <laughs> you know, policing and the concept of police proto-linguistically is just antithetical to the idea of transformative justice and, and Supreme Court nominations. Thank you. This idea of how are we going to exist in a world where if Jesus was uh, the head of a police station or a sheriff, what would that look like? The sheriff, Sheriff Jesus and his 12 deputies. Yeah. <laughs> Like I'm, I'm actually, you bring it up, and I'm, I'm surprised that isn't, you know, someone hasn't put them all on horses in the Last Supper. It's like the oh last ride. We are literally painting a stained glass window as we speak. We've got <laughs> Captain America, Jesus. We might need uh, Sheriff Jesus and the twelve deputies. That is a fucking perfect line. So you talk about painting a stained glass window. So what is this thing? What are you building? Because this is the last time you're building something at this this incarnation of Think Tank. Um, which which you've put so much work and effort and and love into, and here's the last hurrah. So, what are people encountering? How's this working under COVID? Because it's not like we're done yet. <laughs> like no. California, luckily, I think is California is doing the best we've done like this entire time. The rest of the country is effing up. So sorry, rest of the country. We're finally like LA had a whole day where we were under 1.0 for the first time like about a week ago. I don't think we're there right now, but uh, we're doing better. How is this going to work? What are people coming down for and well, hopefully not coming down with? So much on a, I'll talk production first before we get into the high level art concepts that I'm sure um, Hisham has cooking already. But we, um, yeah, we wanted, it's unfortunate, Noah, because you don't work for 10 years on something and then imagine you're going away party to look like this. And I think there was at one point that uh, ground level, I was just talking, I was at a um, like outdoor dinner thing which is the only thing you can do anymore yesterday and we were talking about uh you know i want to go back to new york city it's like one of my favorite places in the world to go and there was a moment during covid it might still be true that i think 80 percent of floor level retails were vacant and like when you think of new york city you're thinking of walking through and there's all the shops and you go in and out of whichever ones and there's just always somewhere to go as you walk around the city um you don't imagine a ending like you just don't want to end with a whimper so when we imagine going down swinging at white Jesus and white supremacy in the final boss battle, we had all these grandiose ideas of like, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And we're going to do a nine 11 Memorial. And we're going to do like all of it, like all this crazy shit, giant blow up white Jesus and all sorts of stuff, which very well may still happen. Um, but at this point it's only probably safest to do a street level, like street art installation. So it's going to be an augmented reality activated, um, street art installation. Uh, it involves a, 
uh, stained glass window. And then we've been sending out these RIP white Jesus books. So there's a, there's a level of immersion to it for sure. But it, it you know, it's 2020, you kind of have to have that interaction in your home. So we're, we're mailing them all out, like I said, this week, and they come with, uh, if you're LA based, they come with access to a, uh, the audio tracks of the casting calls uh, for all the people who have, who, who are uh, going out to be casted as the new Jesus. And um, we'll probably allow everyone. So like it'll become a part of the art installation and we'll probably publish that somewhere at some point and allow people to actually vote because we do legitimately want to vote for the new Jesus uh, American idol style. And we, we will just declare from that moment forward that the people have selected this person as Jesus now. So, um, so let's, let's, let's pause that. Let's pause that. That's a really good moment to pause and to kick it over to Hisham. This idea, cause we talked in this American Idol thing, uh, Talk to us about this concept of of trusting the public, the, the American public, who who maybe you know are, are in a very volatile, you know, vulnerable state, to to select from amongst a, a host of of self self selecting individuals to become the 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 very face and form of uh the only child of god uh what what is what is what sort of powers are are, are what, you this, this is a pandora's box here you seem to be opening here and the key is narcissism yes absolutely and that and that's that's ultimately plato's myth i mean if we're going to speak <laughs> in allegory um the empirical events okay. that led up to the idea of individual individuality and individualism in america exceptionalism, this idea of the free hand jerking off every person who competes and participates in a so-called meritocracy. Um, I just think ultimately the participation of this art is uh, an analysis of the experience, or as Derrida likes to call it, (laughs) auto-affection. I'm sorry. I don't know. I keep trying to move my head away from the mic because, like, I get these nods. Not. I don't know if they're nods of approval or what from across the room. When you, when uh, it's Plato's myth. Like, I just, uh, it's it's just too great. Jacob, I know you may not be able to follow all this, but (laughs) yeah, that's true. We are we are having a serious conversation here. I don't have a uh, I don't have a PhD or master's degree in theology or twenty the equivalent twenty five years at NPR like the two of you. I just, just want, to, want to want to make it very clear, you know, like I I know you've got you've got you've got your art degree, it's really great. You, you run a gallery, it's really cool. I don't even are, actually are, lie about that on my resume. You don't? You do? So, see, look, look at this. Look at this. this is wonderful. Latin. This. It's Latin, so that means I'm only one step more ignorant than uh, the most recent translation of the of our Bible. So wait, wait, you have a degree in Latin? No, no, that's the reason I don't have a degree because I failed. Oh, that. that's because of, it because of Latin. makes me more enlightened in the context of this conversation that I it don't might, know Latin. It might, it might. Yeah. Wait, is that what you? Is that anyway? We'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. We have another half yeah. hour on this show. Well, Noah. Exactly. I will, I will say one thing that we are doing. The thing I forgot to say about COVID is uh, we are doing a um, uh, COVID thirty three feet washing ceremony. We can't guarantee mm-hmm. you that we can wash COVID nineteen off your feet, but COVID thirty three for sure. Um, okay. Can you talk about that piece? Um, I would like to keep that one a bit mysterious. Uh, I think it's self-explanatory. 
it's this idea that you can participate in self-fulfillment um, of your God complex. I think that's something that, you know, particularly for the, the American psyche, being able to project yourself into uh, the, the non-shoes of the Savior and, and to, to experience that directly. Um, particularly with this idea that you're that you're democratizing uh, the role of Christ, um, it, it does seem to sort of be self-evident as to you know the form and the function. Um, you know, are you thinking of this as a as a transformational piece uh, for those who who witness it? Absolutely. Uh, I don't want to do this in any type of haphazard manner. It's um, not an iconoclastic attack on faith, on divinity. It's a specific false idol that we're going after. And in the context of a year of toppling white supremacist monuments, it only seems fit. But again, it is it's very respectful. And you use the word um, haphazard uh, to clarify the COVID-33 feet washing ceremony will be in hazmat suit and and okay. you will experience hymns uh and hazmat well, well don't, don't i mean i mean please try to respect the artist and and not give away the details here all right i try man i know i know you have you're having a lot of fun tonight jacob but i just want to i want to point out you know i understand that think tank is you know coming to a conclusion as it were but you know the Leave some bridges behind. All right. I'm just, I'm just a little, a little advice, media. Hisham, um, uh, you know, do, do you feel like you know uh, your status in this culture uh, as as someone coming in into American culture and and, and making observations and, and and being in dialogue with it? Uh, you know, uh, do, do you feel? Do you feel a little bit of uh, de-, de Tocqueville moving through you, or or is there there another sort of historical precedent uh, figure uh, in terms of the, the the insight that you're able to uh, derive from uh, the, the current era of America? Thank you. Yes, uh, for me, I guess intrinsically, I, I do feel. I do take a more post-colonial track. I, I feel. Mm-hmm. In this specific right. instance, I feel like Tayyip Saleh sees a migration to the north. I do feel like I am a victim of neo-imperialism, a.k.a. globalization. So I am simply a participant in 21st century consumerist culture. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's something that, that none of us are able to escape. Um that's 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 maybe one of the most interesting things about the current moment is that is that for the first time we you know the the, the globe's been able to be unified against an obvious uh, fast moving uh, global threat uh, in the form of COVID nineteen, but uh, th- there are these other global threats in the form of of late stage capitalism which is is practiced even in the the so-called communist countries and uh and the the larger issue of of climate change and the the frameworks that support the denial of these systems um are, are often replicated inside uh 
yeah, easily say the, the evangelical Christian mindset. Um, that's that just seems to be obvious. Um, Hisham, would you agree? Absolutely, absolutely. And um... how, how does the evangelical Christian mindset look to you as someone who is 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 experiencing it um, from the outside? It's a victim of itself, just like any male is a victim of patriarchy. You know, the the autonomy of the I can neither be pure nor rigorous. The, repeat that one for me. The autonomy of the I can neither be pure nor rigorous. And I'm, I'm going to think on that one for a while. I'm going to think on that one for a while. Um, Do you want to give any... Uh, uh, historical context to your um, relationship to white Christianity, Hijam? Because you're you're uh, you're uh, international in your yes. work. Uh, I spent some time in the South, so <laughs> I put in my ears. Like I say, international, and we go straight to the South. I, uh, internationally, <laughs> like secession uh, is on its way. Internationally, whether I'm in. Um, East or North Africa, or I'm in South Asia, I see pictures of an Aryan man plastered all over houses of worship that are supposed to be images of God. And uh, it truly breaks my heart. And um, in uh, places where you've, um, like communities that you've been a part of, the idea of depicting God at all is a controversial there, There's a divide, um, a sectarian divide, or um, hermeneutically, there's a difference of schools of thought. Um, the humanization of a figure, of a divine figure, can sometimes make them more relatable. And, uh, the idea of the hero's journey, as to put it in your language for people in Hollywood, and then the idea of um, an abstract divine that is almost unreachable, unseeable, and uh, an emanating light that transfers down its blessings and loses its purity as it reaches animals on earth. And that is the linear differentiation of human from animal. It's the perfect perfect full circle for Noah because we talked about the hero's journey and everyone knows knows uh george lucas was a big fan based on his favorite philosophers of the hero's journey and the jedi yep it's uh it's it's definitely been uh, uh also um, didn't we start with jedi noah how did you do this how did we do what tonight we we, we <laughs> yeah we went to talk about god and you started with jedi and now i think we're 30 minutes in so we're also ending on jedi i don't know what I you did think, I, I felt I like you I... two teamed up on me tonight i just felt like the entire night <laughs> noah and hisham were able to like spit all this crazy high level intellectual academ- academia and i'm just sitting here cracking up that we're starting and ending on ewan mcgregor I, I did yeah it was it was talking about Ewan McGregor uh, who who I, we did in fact talk about a Jedi uh, as opposed to the process. I just always find that funny the 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 framed photos of Ewan McGregor in in American households that are not in fact Star Wars households. Hisham, uh, I know there's I know there's so much uh, so much that you need to do to, to 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 wrap things up, and I know you've got other projects uh, going on. Uh, is there is there anything else before Jacob and I move into uh, the, the, the 
the totally think tank part of, of this episode uh, that you want to share with the audience or, 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 or yeah, just the, the floor is yours. Thank you. Uh, I'd like to just keep it short and sweet. Um, just talking about the silver lining, uh, regardless of how bleak things are at the moment. Uh, I feel like the idea of awareness has really spread. I mean, something like Black Lives Matter, which was an organic movement, has become an international world phenomenon. So maybe it's good to be angry, to use you know, the words of uh, a great social activist. It's good to be angry, but don't be bitter. All right. Beautiful. Hisham Fagid, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, RIP White Jesus is the finale show for Think Tank Gallery. We will be back right after this little music break. I don't want us to like re-litigate anything everyone just heard. I want to be able to sit with, <laughs> with sit with what it was, sit with where we went, uh, because like there's there's yeah, <laughs> I don't. I'm I'm like I like that you're finally fucking laughing now. <laughs> me out there on <laughs> yeah, because I was like, because I mean, look, there's there's an interesting thing going on here where it's like. You know, on the one hand, it's when we were not recording. Uh, you made a great point about like you know when, when the master's students and the professors start talking, like and the bachelor students still around, like it's like everyone sort of there, there was a, there was a there's a performative nature to what happened, but just because there's a performative nature to what happened doesn't mean that there weren't things in there at the same time. Um, if I can, if I can quote Hisham, mm-hmm. um, academia is performative. Yes, that would that would be. That would be <laughs> I think that I think, was the moral of that thing that we were saying. At that I think whenever. it is. I think I think yeah. that is because that's because small. it crumbles if it's not. If you can't be liberal, intellectual, uh, holier than thou, riding in on your white horse, then hmm. the entire infrastructure crumbles, and that's what made me laugh so hard as an undergrad in art history at UCLA was when the professor and the master's degree students had to fucking talk like that to like let all the like bachelor's kids know what they were in for um, and what they should be aspiring to yeah. at 21 years old or whatever. And, and, and the funky thing is, is that, I mean, there's, there's a, there's definitely a real way in which. Wait, wait, hold on. I have to tell yeah. you a funny story. This is, this okay. is about reminiscing. All right. So <laughs> I, I don't know if we said it on the, in the interview. Who knows? Not, just to say it. But I, um, never actually finished my degree. So everyone who Googles me after this and hears this and sees that it says I have a uh, degree in art history from UCLA, um, you're going to hear the story now. I didn't because of not finishing uh, a Latin class, one class, literally. And um, I went back to do like a um, intensive. And I think I went back for like French or something. It could be any language. And it's all the kids who are like there to like wrap up their degrees. And there's masters and, you know, like undergrad and it's a mix of people. And we, we go outside and there's this girl, she's an engineer, I think. And I'm, I'm standing there and, and we're like, Oh, what do you study? And this guy's like, Oh, uh, art history. I'm like, cool. Me too. But he's, um, 
in the grad program. And she's like, what do you study? I'm like, art history as well, undergrad. And she's like, I feel like art history is just a bunch of kids sitting in a room comparing their imaginations. And at the exact same time, he went, hell no. And I said, exactly. <laughs> and he got so offended and looked at me like, what? And I'm like, that's what it is, man. Like, we're like, like you, you put it in the history books, but like they would literally sit us in the classroom and be like, all right, half of you go up a letter grade, half of you go down a letter grade, you have 20 minutes, right. And they would put two images on a screen and you're literally just comparing imaginations. Like who can express their imagination better on a piece of paper? And to me, I'm like, I really, really valued that. But he took like super offense to it. And um, yeah, it's just a couple, a couple ways you can look at it. But I, I really appreciate appreciate uh hisham's uh manner of viewing the world and and he takes it so lightly but at the same time with such sincerity yeah there's there's a there's a a nice edge there right mm-hmm. um and i think i mean one of the points of i mean i i've never been a, a grand fan of academia um like i i can really appreciate it and i always like i mean i, I love talking to folks who are in programs who who understand that that nice edge between popularizing something and a, a depth analysis, but so often people get really lost in the terminology and mm-hmm. really lost in, you know, a, a labyrinth of a given paradigm. Um, and it's 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 useful to like deeply embrace a worldview and explore it to its limits. And see where it can push you, and see what it can reveal to you, and particularly how it contrasts against other ways of seeing the world. Right? Mm-hmm. We live in our global society is by default pluralistic, whether we want to accept that or not. There are too many worldviews, there are too many people, there are too many power structures, and indeed, increasingly, the power structures are getting, you know. If not equalized, then some balancing is going on, and it's very rough balancing, but it's happening. Yeah. And you you you've got to know that the 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 number one toxic crisis in America is context collapse, where people can't communicate with each other hmm. because they're they've they've. They haven't obliterated the common ground, but they've put themselves into a position where they can no longer see the common ground. Hmm. It's there. We just can't see it anymore. And there's some of that. There's a, there's a function of any kind of orthodoxy, whether it's academic orthodoxy or religious orthodoxy or political orthodoxy, um, is is going to make it difficult to communicate with others and see common ground, right? Because it wants to put you in the frame of othering, right? You are not orthodox. You are not a part of this unit here. Uh, I I saw a brilliant thing. Look at me calling something brilliant. Um, I saw something that uh, it was, it was was, was a freaking Twitter thread or something like that, but it was a breakdown about uh, evangelical Christianity. Um, and evangelical Christianity is, uh, I mean, it's a theme, theme of the RIP white Jesus show, as we know. Yeah, as we absolutely. It was the basis, not even the theme. Yeah. Um, 
and and what was interesting about it was about evangelical Christianity and particularly missionary work, and how the the proselytizing that happens is actually designed for rejection. Like the point isn't for someone to go out and actually convert someone in in by witnessing to them, but to be rejected so that they come back to the church, they come back to the in group, and they have their sense of identity reaffirmed. Hmm. You went out into the world. They don't understand you. They rejected you. They laughed at you. Wow. But here, here, we accept you. Dude, how could you not have brought that up with um, <laughs> on, on tape? That he, I was very surprised, actually, that he didn't ask you what he, because he asked every single person what your religious background is, like, as, he's, as he begins working with, with them on this project. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I maybe would. You could t- maybe you could tell I'm like a weirdo, like... <laughs> Like Gnostic, so well, I think he was not like, agnostic. Gnostic. So. <laughs> I think he was letting us lead, but he, but, but yeah, like I went to Christian school from third grade to like ninth grade. I, I still very distinctly remember exactly where I was standing geographically when I uh, denounced my faith, my faith to my mother, and it was a very di- difficult conversation to have. But mm. um, the word witnessing was like triggering to me right now when you just said it. And it was, I remember like being on the basketball court one time in like fifth grade. And I was like, I have to go witness to that guy right now. Cause I know he's not a Christian and feeling such guilt that I couldn't build up the gall to do it. And what you just said explains so much to me. Glad to be a service. <laughs> no, it's just um, wild. It is. You're right. It's built on. It's built on uh, the guilt that if you don't do it, you will not be accepted in your tribe. It doesn't matter whether you convert their tribe or not. It's just right. reaffirming your tribe that you're already within. And that's exactly the terminology that was used in in this breakdown that I saw. And I mean, my my grandparents were on my father's side were evangelical Christians. or became evangelical Christians in the seventies. Um, I mean, some of my earliest memories are of sitting at their house in Orange County here in the Southland on a Sunday morning watching grandma and grandpa on television because they were operating the phones at Trinity Broadcasting Corporation. So we're sitting in grandma and grandpa's living room, grandma and grandpa are on TV answering phones <laughs> for, I think it was Kenneth Copeland or maybe one of the others, but answering, answering phones for these guys. Uh, and, and taking the money of other people in Orange County and throughout the Southland uh, so that they could, you know, so that the, the preacher could, you know, do whatever what the preacher was going to do with that money. Um, yeah, I mean, I can see now why you uh, pushed me so hard to watch Perry Mason on HBO because your family was uh, <laughs> Sister Alice. Uh, I, think, I think in some ways... Um, Sister Alice's mom, let's say. Yeah, yeah, a little, a little, a little bit of that. Uh, there's a whole, there's a whole breakdown on there. Um, the, um, yeah, there's, there's this. I'll say this: you use the words uh, "labyrinth of a given paradigm" as a critique of <laughs> academia. Which is the most meta shit <laughs> ever, <laughs> and I think it's Maybe. one of the reasons why you and I have become such great friends, um, because I do love I do love existing in both of those worlds at once, and I think um, 
my favorite reads of what Think Tank has done have been from people like like Nagin told. I think Nagin gave me our uh, Nagin Singh from the Santa Juana mm-hmm. here, the executive director, I th- and and ran Cartel Arts and broke LA for many many years. But I think she gave me our our, our tagline, which is that we ask audiences to um, stumble upon uh, meaningful, not mindless entertainment. And each mm. word, each each uh, word in that sentence is. Um, more difficult than the last because entertainment is really hard to create and uh, just making people have fun is so delicate. It's like lighting and it's sound and it's the uh, foray into the experience. And it's like um, even the buying your ticket and, and getting a, a message from one of the characters in the show you're about to experience and, and keeping it in theme. But people, you know, make crazy art shows all the time. Some hit and some don't with people. And I think that was one of the beautiful things that I discovered in immersive, which I discovered, I don't know, halfway through think tanks decade of existence was there's such an opportunity to lack pretension in immersive Mm. art. And I come from the fine art world. I studied art history and then I was like, I'm going to be in a, you know, I'm going to run like a blue chip gallery or whatever the fuck. And then I started doing graffiti and I did that for a while and got arrested. And so there was always like these two sides of me and I, I've been like constantly trying to bridge that gap and immersive art really did it for me because there's people who are in the fine art world who love this shit. And then on the other side of it, you can just make a selfie museum. So when we did nothing cheesy, our last show a year ago, it was just a selfie museum. There's plenty of people who just came through and like just wanted to take funny selfies who saw us on Good Morning America, whatever the fuck show we were on on NBC, and just like wanted to come through and take a picture, bought a ticket, wanted to take pictures, eat some pizza, get a little pizza pin to put on their shirt, and then grab a beer and leave. Thank you, PBR. Um, and then there was a, a bunch of other people who came through, and then when they spun the selfie wheel and they won the grand prize of the most vapid selfie in the show, and all the TVs went off all around them. And then one of them was showing their face to them and they could, they like won a prize and the prize was just another fucking selfie. Those people got the joke. So we got to serve both audiences at the same time. The ones who were yeah. critiquing this thing that they thought was the bane of the art world's existence and the people who were the bane of the art world's existence, which is partially me, you know? So it, uh, think well, there's, also, there's also a way in which what I find interesting about experiential art, uh, particularly its installation form, is that it's it's always in dialogue with the world around it. Yeah. In in a in a in a way that I mean, look, a, a great painting. Like you know, one of the reasons why why do people like freak out about the master, the old masters, right? Like you know about a Caravaggio. It's like oh, the light and whatnot, and it's like it's like a, like I'm looking through almost like a window, right? And like yeah. kind of yeah, like. Somehow those paintings managed to be in dialogue with 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 the world around us, mm-hmm. right? Like, and the technical prowess is yeah, fucking yeah. unreal. And and through that tech, through the technical prowess, it becomes in dialogue with the world around us. Yeah, you have to have and, both for sure. There needs to be a yeah, historical and, context at the same time. Yeah, and it's and it's not, and that it can work on a couple of different levels, right? Like and that and that someone could just have 
someone can go go through, have a wonderful experience, or or kind of go, oh, what was that? Like, like they get something out of it, and then that if you want to, if you want to, it will reveal more. I think I think the thing that drives me up the wall, and this this is true. So I I tend to like popular art more than I like high art, quote unquote. Same. It's because high art, quote unquote, um, it it assumes you want to engage with the thematics and the the intellectual idea first. It's like the point of this is to engage with the intellectual idea. So I'm going to cut to the chase and let's just talk concept. And look, I love talking hi me i love talking concepts more than anything but like <laughs> if you're going to put the work in i need it to be visceral i need it to be embodied yeah and that's true whether you're doing that's true whether you're doing whether it's a matthew barney show or whether it's a star wars movie right yeah. if all if, if you're just bringing the idea and you're not trying to embody it if yeah. you're if you're hoping that you get points for for checklisting concepts right like well you're you're i'm, I'm a poem. you can't see me right now but i'm snapping over here and that's why um that you know our historians are glorified publicists um put that one on a t-shirt but they you know caravaggio you mentioned him but he got he was like so well known because his story was so salacious of him like mm. being like a gay boy prostitute like all this shit like it's it's the same thing um why did he i mean he was probably better than anyone else that was on planet earth at the time that he was painting but that alone doesn't make you uh put you in the history books and that uh like you said do i want to engage with the um you didn't say do i want to engage with the intellectual or the emotional um i think a lot of the greatest fine artists do both yeah Uh, but if you're you can choose one or the other but that the thing I love about immersive art so often is that entertainment factor is just so important because you can do all that shit and my mom will not fucking understand um, what you're getting at because you're like, she's like, get this shit out of my face. I'm doing it. I was snapping before I'm doing one of those jerk off motions now, but it's like, get this shit out of my face. Like, this is not like you're, you're trying to talk over my head on purpose to let me know that you're better than me. It happens so often, not always, but it happens often. And one Mm -hmm. of the things that I love about immersive art is it's, you can still, you can access all of those things. And the, and when I said that every word in that sentence is more difficult than the last, entertainment, because creativity is, is creating a bridge between your audience and your original ideas. So anyone can have these original ideas, but getting someone to understand it is difficult. Getting someone to have fun while they understand it is so close to impossible. It's so delicate. And every year I feel like I'm chasing the success of the prior year because I got the really delicate recipe just perfect to make it happen. Mm. And one thing that I am excited about is in 2022, 23, 24, whenever I come back into, I'm not saying that's when live events will emerge again, but whenever I come back into doing live events, whether that's through Think Tank or by myself, although we mentioned it earlier, I very much identify as Think Tank, so hopefully re-emerging is that. Um, I am really excited to see how people are going to um, I've had I've been having a lot of conversations with MTG about this, how people are going to create that recipe with new ingredients available to them, because there are going to be so many virtual and live event hybrid shits that happen. And we keep talking about 
um, art history right now. So one uh, one reference I want to make is one of my one of my favorite aspects of art history is that in every movement there's like the two, three, four, five names that we all remember. And I think in this moment right now, this 2020 COVID moment, where it's this weird tiny little pocket of art history, but it's like a movement. It's like the immersive art the immersive arts right now are experiencing one of our, one of our movements. Um, Mm. the, one of the most recent in, in, in fine art is the street art movement. Immersive's having like a COVID movement or a virtual movement or whatever we want to call it. And there'll be a couple names that stand out right now. Little cinema is very much one for me. I was just talking to KJ from, from there last night. And, um, I'm really excited to see what, um, the spearheads like, like that company are going to create and what sustains when we come back to live events again in a hybrid form. Yeah. I mean, one of the things about, I was having this conversation, uh, Matt Quinn uh, does a live show, Matt Quinn of, uh, of uh, the LA theater scene. He's uh, one of the producers on the fringe extensions and, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, so um, theater asylum is, is Matt's company. And um, it was, it was, uh, I was a guest, Caitlin Schiller of Spy Brunch, and also performing the 100 Presents with a guest. And one of the things we were talking about, because Matt wanted to give us to give like an overview of like you know the immersive scene right now. And I was just like, oh, have you been ever the immersive.com yet? And he's all like, oh, like I've been on the Facebook group. People don't understand that there's a site, and that, like yeah, but we haven't made that big of a deal because of the beta. But I think you guys are making more noise. It's really but, good, by the way. I want to say that oh, on record. You guys did a good job. Oh, we're not. Compliments we're not even to good. the chef. We're not. I will tell Chris. Uh, we're not even close to done yet. And in fact, I know we're it's gonna a beta, be, but it's great. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we'll bring in some focus group stuff that's going to be happening. So that's neither here nor there. Some of you as well. Some of you listening as well. Um, the we were literally talking about that today. <laughs> we were in that moment. Where we were like, oh, okay. Here are the things that are left in the beta, and now we got to start talking about 1.0. Like it's like start talking about release candidates, right? You know, like we gotta some things are like oh, we can't do that right now. Let's put that into the let's put that on the roadmap. So that's that's fun. When I get back from vacation, I'm gonna be doing some of that stuff. But um the the point is, you know, there there are going to be some things that stay with us. And I think the most interesting thing you're saying hybrid. I think the most interesting thing, uh, I gave this example on that show. You look at something like Eschaton, which was one of the first things out that of the game. And I, I to say. And, and I know it can be very polarizing for people. Um, like I've heard people who, who absolutely love it. I heard people who feel it's too inside baseball. I, I, I see the range. I like the way it gives me a sense of space, or at least in the, the original version I saw, and I look forward to going back in at some point and seeing how it's evolved. But it is, of course, you know, locked to Zoom. We all know how I feel about Zoom, so I won't go there. But – we will but, I want to talk about serial killer speed dating. Okay. Uh, but what we, um, what we, what we see there is the potential since that is intended to one day be a real physical space. I imagine a future where they've got the real space. It's open, you know, as much as it can be, uh, you know, more, more of an installation slash venue than necessarily a thing itself, like a, like a show itself. And it's going to have real people going through it in, in real life, but then also have all those cameras left so that people are able to, so the performers can engage with folks who are physically there and engage with folks who are virtually there. Hmm. And, and that we could see more of that happening in, in other forms. Like uh, this, this idea of a hybrid, uh, because what that does is it lets 
those artists make work that's more scalable and sustainable while not sacrificing the thing that they love the most, which is the intimate connection in the space itself. Yeah. Early on, I was talking to uh, Nova Han. Have you had Nova on your show before? I know you know her. no, uh, Nova. We haven't had Nova on the show. We we um, Nova was going to talk at here. Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, she uh, saw her announced on there. Yeah. Um, but I was talking to her early on um, in quarantine. We were talking about a similar concept to this, which was like a uh, let's create a permanent virtual show at a place like a Meow Wharf. <laughs> or a uh, factory obscura (laughs) or something like that and then or you know potentially an original location i just got hit up by fucking happy place asking me to rent my venue and i was like uh you know it's a pandemic right (laughs) so we uh never stopped happy place (laughs) (laughs) they 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 were only the thing that caused you know everybody to get shut down one year sorry happy place if you're listening do you remember a very clever satirical critique of happy places uh in a show called nothing cheesy there's plenty of content on the internet where you can see our joke about that show but in any case um we uh we were talking about doing something like that and and one of my rules through quarantine has been is asking myself because it feels like we got we got dropped into onto like a raft and we're floating the great seas of uncertainty and we will land upon opportunistic shores, but we don't know what they look like. And we don't know uh, what gods we will serve upon those shores and what the sacrifices of our time and creative energy look like to those gods. So trying to figure out what that is with all of this uncertainty around us. And he doesn't, doesn't like when I uh, say things like that because it's, you know, appropriation of a variety of different mythologies. Um, but it just, you know, putting it in almost like ancestral terms, it's what our, what our ancestors would do and what they didn't, all they heard was there's opportunity out West. How do we know mm-hmm. which way West is? Find our star and then use that. So at the very beginning of quarantine, I literally just like opened my notebook and I just wrote a variety of stars. And I've been meaning to like publish a piece on this, but created a constellation of guiding stars and the most the the one i tap most often i i suppose it would be my north star is is this better in real life and if the answer is yes i don't work on it Mm. if the answer is no often it's not even possible in real life or uh no it's not possible to do this in in person it has to be some type of virtual thing but it would be enhanced if you added real life to it later then it's very much worthwhile to work on. And so when I was talking to Nova about this, this idea and just like philosophizing on shit and, and a bunch of other people, yourself included, we had our weekly Sunday check-in phone calls. Um, we would, we would talk about these things and I was like some kind of hybrid, (laughs) yeah, some kind of hybrid, um, show where there could be even audience, uh, input, or as you like to say, agency, uh, from the virtual side where various things in the exhibit can change. And, and they're kind of just like art pieces. We kind of did that with trap house where we had our escape room with an art show around it. And people um, in the art show would see art pieces change based on what someone inside the escape room was doing. You could almost do that in a reverse sense where there's like a virtual show where people are like watching people walk through the show kind of, and they all consent and know that they're being seen on like every Friday night at 8 PM or whatever. But the virtual audience can change, like what actors do in the show. Or what if you think uh, of like you know, video, some video games that are being built from the ground up. Very much like, like a video. 
was like, it was, there was a bit of a fad for a moment and maybe it'll come back around. I don't know how well it's doing, but you know, because I know the games are being streamed, they do asymmetric multiplayer so mm-hmm. that you, you know, someone's playing the game, but then like people can kind of jump in or activate traps. It's like when yeah. you're on a water raft ride and people are standing by the buttons that let them blast more water at you, right? Like it's all there. It's like this door is unlocked or this mirror is no longer a two way or, you know, it's like cabin in the woods, that fucking movie where they're like controlling it from a room. Oh, I, I don't want to give it away, but like that, yeah. it, I just did spoiler alert, go back in time. But that it's exactly like that. That's, that's the perfect fucking reference for it. And I am really excited to see the shit like that that comes out. Um, I am working on an idea. I will use um, four, five words to describe it, uh, which I would love to reemerge with. It'll be like five years to work on this, but they are abandoned Barstow motel resident evil Two perspective that was seven sorry uh but that is what i picture when you're talking about this a show where people can physically experience it um but there is a resident evil 2 camera shifting perspective that the audience can uh circumnavigate as they go and that's something that somebody like little cinema is in a very poised place to present I, this whole Noah, this show was supposed to be about us like being sad about the past and the ten years that are gone, and instead we've just talked about how excited we are about the future. I prefer that. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I don't know if it's just calm before the storm. I don't know if we. I don't want to. I don't want to jinx which universe I'm living in right now, um, but or maybe just in my own personal biography, it's the fact that like, you know, a lot of major medical stuff with my family is like, you know, now the bulk of it's in the rear view. And now it's just like, okay, we got to do what we got to do. Mm. But, and, and also like October is my favorite freaking favorite month. Cause like it's all my family's birthday is mine, you know, the, the, it gets darker earlier and there's Halloween and, you know, um, Mandalorian's coming back and Star Trek's back. It's like, you know, and I take a week off, but, um, I'm happy I, birthday, by the way. Uh, thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm neither pessimistic nor optimistic in this moment. I just feel like, I just feel resolved and resigned. Right. And like yeah, me too. In, in, in my life, the time when I've been most effective is when there's just a sense of resignation and calm resolve. Right? And then that's when that's when the change comes. Like I'm not scared of the change. I'm not trying to make the change. It's very Yoda. No do do or do not. No try. It's just like hey, we're changing. Yeah. We're changing. We're going with it. We're gonna we're gonna ride this like the flow. Yeah. And I feel the flow. I, I I feel the flow right now. Um, I hope against hope that. You know, it's it's Doctor Strange Endgame gif, right? That we're in that scenario. Um, some people know what I mean right there. I don't want to say it because, again, I feel like it's jinx to, like, say it. But um, the, the, the other option would be to just <laughs> go complete neurotic right now and yeah. get or so... 
yeah, get so worked up. Um, and and there there are things like there's a bunch of stuff I'm not doing right now, like deliberately. Like I'm not making any big choices. I'm not constructing any large plans in the next few weeks because of that uncertainty. Whatever's going to come, whatever's going to come, good or bad, it's going to disrupt yeah. any plan we have. Even if it's like the rainbows and puppies version, right? Even if that the, the Large Hadron Collider contacts a parallel universe, which they're actually trying to do right now. I'm not making that up. And that the next part I make up. And what happens is they rupture the space-time continuum and the fucking Justice League shows up with the Avengers in tows and go like, we're here. We're going to fix your poor little world, right? You know, like if, if even if that happens, that's going to throw up. Like, what do you do? What do you do in a world where suddenly, you know, you know the Justice League is real? Like, it's, it's going to be complicated, right? That means dark side's real too. And that's, that's bad news. So is, that, um, is, is white Jesus in the canon? Um, uh, I think it depends on who's writing as it is with, as it is with most things in life. It depends Oof. on who's writing. Oof. I, I do know I, 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 for a while there was an angel in the justice league during Grant Morrison's run. And that's the best run of uh, JLA you'll ever find. Uh, but that's a whole, that's how we handle it. But like it, 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 it doesn't matter um, what plan you were going to make right now. Uh, yeah. So the best thing to do is to just just get ready to roll with it. The punch is coming. All right, let's flow like water. Yeah. Right? Well, f- hey man, I wanted to. Um, I know we got to. I know we got to wrap up, but I wanted to, uh, you know, talk about serial killer speed dating. Maybe we can do. It's been it's been my life since March. I'm actually really excited about what we've built, but maybe I can give you something to say in the intro or outro. Um, no, just talk, talk, give the pitch on it because like you guys well, are about to crack this yeah, thing open. I will, but on, on what you just said, I want to say this: we every every morning I wake up. I, I was I knew since March, maybe April, because I was working with Great Co with Carl Choi in March. I worked a total of eight days at great co and then the layoffs began and they're all like those motherfuckers are from china they knew what was coming so um or their families are so they had family in china they were talking to about what was coming and i was so excited about how i had my life set up and, and yada yada um and then when it when reality started to set in and i knew i was on this great sea and i needed to keep an eye on the constellation toward which i was sailing i knew october was going to be the month because there was a couple months where I was like, maybe we'll be back by October. And we could have been, but uh, we failed. And uh, collectively, we. Um, right. And we, and I knew October was going to be the month that was going to be really difficult. November as well, of course. By the way, fun fact, move out date, November 3rd. <sighs> Fucking crazy. Talk about a new chapter. So um, I... At this point, I'm in it now. Like you said, resigned and resolved. I'm in it now, and I knew it was coming. And I was just like marking days down on the calendar of how difficult this time was going to be. And every single morning I wake up, and the very first thing that I say to myself is, today is going to be really difficult. And I don't say it in because there's so much shit going on. We're not getting into it right now because this is an optimistic podcast. But every day I, I, I know that. But it also feel it just feels like an extended hell week in hmm. production where it's the, yeah. the week – of the show and impossible people are coming to you with problems they don't know how to solve yeah every day and you got to figure out how to solve them 
every day. And we can't really look to anyone else because it's your job to solve them for your life. And I've been seeing a lot of people who are kind of losing their heads right now. And these are people who I really respect, producers who I really respect. And there's a lot of people who listen to your show who are producers and they make crazy art pieces, things that have never existed before. And there's no precedent on how to make them exist instead of not exist. And they're good at it. They're really good at it. That's like what their job is, is to like as a producer is to make things existent that previously did not exist without precedent. And right now they're dealing with a time where there is no precedent and there is no obvious solution and we're losing our heads and we all have it. We all have very specific well-sharpened, catered, well-oiled skills to deal with unprecedented problems. And we're forgetting that right now because we wanted this to be over by October and it's not. So it's like we've run out of steam and it probably won't be over for quite a while. And you're not going to do the fucking thing that you want to do, that you love, that you really want to do by even March or March, 2021, March, 2022. But we all have the skills to like solve all these problems right now. And that's the, that's the thing that I'm trying to remember. And there's a lot of really fucking difficult shit we got to deal with. And there's some problems we can't solve, but we can work towards solving them. But internally on a personal level, we can make it through this shit. And that's the thing that I keep trying to remember right now. It's been, it's just been really difficult lately, but I, I know all the people who I see in this community and respect really well can, can handle all of that. So that's, that's the, that's the thing I'm trying to remember right now at the end of our uh, 10 year anniversary slash eviction show. It's just what I'm trying to keep in my head. There's one thing I want to say, speak to about what you just said. And then, and then before we do go, cause like we've done like a full hour on top of <laughs> our, our job bit. So this is like one of the, one of those episodes. Um, I mean, there's no newsletter this week. So like do this instead of reading the newsletter. I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, so Patrick Klepek, who's a journalist who I really respect, he's also he's a he works for Vice. He's a video game journalist. Uh, followed his career forever, very very long time, but followed his career for like fifteen years. And the other day he just tweeted uh, about you know he's like, hey, does anyone else just like sometimes like just find it like just suddenly their souls crushed? Is basically what he said. Yeah, you know, it just comes and and look, I I've had that happen multiple times over. Like I feel like I'm on a five week cycle. Every five weeks. I feel like it's all too much mm-hmm. and, and it, and it physically drains me in a way for me. It's been like three weeks, but yeah. Yeah. Um, well at, at the beginning it was that all the time, every day felt like that. And then the longer we've gone, like the more, the, the more not crushed time I've, I've, I've found myself with. And I mentioned this because, you know, I want to say, I've been where you are many a time and I've been in the darker version. I've been in the lighter version. And also if you're listening right now and you have had that experience, that is what the normal is now. All right. Like don't worry about it. Don't attribute it to you. That is the spirit of the age. It's a dark spirit. It infects us all. In fact, being the, op- you know, you know, the operative word here, do not, take it to be a quality of you. It is mm-hmm. a quality of the zeitgeist and keep fighting. Um, and, and yeah, like, and, and you are more than that. Right. Yeah. And that Serial was- killer speed dating. Tell us about it. 
what it what what is this the online is that how you're referring to it serial killer, serial killer speed dating online is that, what you, it, is that what you're yeah it's uh because there is a there's an irl version but yeah it's it, it was it was a an event that um answered the question correctly is this better in real life and the answer was no because there are so many more things that we can do on zoom um it's i i feel like we really cracked the code on how to make uh, meeting people on in, in a virtual capacity, particularly on Zoom for us, just fun as fuck. And I don't want to say too much more about it than that. We do some fun Zoom games. We do a really good job of removing the awkwardness from meeting people. And we're launching in three different time zones, uh, have launched, I should say, in three different time zones. And... Um, yeah, we'll be doing some stuff for Halloween. Abel Horwitz, the creator of Serial Killer Speed Dating, the IRL version, is on Weakest Link on Monday. So this will come out. If this is coming out Monday, this coming Monday, then he's on tonight. So I'm watch it. Okay. <laughs> do that. Let's do that. Why not? And they, he talks about it nonstop on the show. So uh, it's, uh, it's, just, it's just fun as hell, man. It's really fun. And I feel like there's very few things more important than connecting with people in in a very personal and intimate capacity and we remove so much of the awkwardness of that interaction by throwing a serial killer in the mix and turning it into a game so you know our, our joke is you don't have to worry about taking a serial killer home with you we guarantee one in your bedroom and it really is the gist of all of it because it removes so much of the the awkwardness of trying to date especially trying to date online especially trying to date online during a, a pandemic uh, by throwing a serial killer in there. So it's just really fun. We should we should talk about it more later once we're deeper into it because we just finished beta, but really enjoying it. All right. We'll come back around. We'll check in on it as as it emerges into the world. Yeah. And, and finally, October 26th, Monday night, Think Tank's going away party, our eviction party. We're doing a virtual uh, DJ set. I think Hisham's bringing... A, oh, I'm going to get this wrong. I know he's Christian and Middle Eastern uh, DJ who's spinning Aramaic hymns with like house music, I believe, on a cop car. And there will be a couple different interactive cop car performance pieces in the virtual show. And uh, it's all a fundraiser to uh, sell as many of these books to pay our artists with the AR books that we've created and um, our immigrant landlords who are getting as fucked as we are probably more fucked honestly than we are in this situation think tank won't be making any money from it we're just anything that we do make we're just giving to them on our way out that's pretty good that's that's actually it's it's easy to just be like to hell with them but um it was tempting yeah (laughs) i'm sure it was but they're they but yeah what would jesus do noah WWWJD, what would white Jesus do? Well, what white Jesus would do is. <laughs> that's probably where we should establish it. All right, Jacob. Um, more anon. And, uh, and, you know, it looks like the NFL is going to be wrapping up early, so maybe we'll get back to the calls. <laughs> well, our season so. wrapped up early with a compound fracture, so. Ooh, yeah, I just, I hate, I hate. Mm. That was bad. Yeah, yeah. I heard, I, heard it, I heard it was not good. I heard things went the wrong way. So. It's hard to watch. Uh, I I can't I can't do it anymore. I just 
ever since I learned about like the the concussion trauma thing, I was like, I just I can't I can't I can't watch it anymore. Well, the world it. can use one less Niner fan, so. Okay, well, then I'm just going to watch because of that. See, that's all it takes. That's all it takes, right? It's a very thin line there, Patterson. So, God, I treat you way too well. Don't know you it. Okay, um, that's enough. Shut this it down. Was, this was great, man. I'm, I'm happy that we were in high spirits through all this because I was, I was a little bit worried I was going to get, you know, emotional. We didn't talk too much about old stuff, but we talked about potential stuff more, and, and I'm happy we did that. All right, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Once again, I want to thank our guests, Jacob Patterson and Hisham Fagi. R.A.P. White Jesus will be at Think Tank Gallery starting on October 26th. That's this Monday in DTLA. You can check out more about the show at thinktank.gallery on the internet. That's it for this time. Uh, No rant because I'm on vacation. It's merely a staycation, but that's not stopping me from doing the things I love, like reading Star Wars books and watching The Mandalorian and rewatching Star Wars movies and playing with the Oculus Quest and going on drives and seeing friends at a distance and yeah we'll, we'll, we'll fit in a couple of immersive shows that are only happening this week because you know it never stops never never stops but you know i'm not obligated to do anything with what i'm watching people just you know want us to come out so we come out we check out what people are up to um i hope that you had uh, a good week <laughs> i hope that i had a good week um it's uh it's been it's been quite the year and uh and and it's coming to a boil and uh things are getting more intense and i just i just want everyone to uh to make sure you find some time to take a moment connect with uh connect with what brings you joy uh connect with what brings you perspective um get yourself ready because there's going to be some chop but uh as we like to say on the ducktales podcast you know any landing you can walk away from. Um, any landing, any crash? I don't know. It's been a while. <laughs> I haven't said those words in a while. You probably heard them this week. I'm very tired. <laughs> I'm very tired. Vacation is calling me. And uh, and there's still, you know, there's, there's plenty of stuff to do. So, like, it's it won't be in... It's not like I'm going to, you know, the islands and... Oh, God, that feels really nice. Uh, it's just a simple, very modest staycation in Los Angeles in October. And luckily, I know a thing or two about making those pretty good. All right. I'm going to stop talking because I'm, I'm actually kind of excited. So I'll see you next week. We'll talk about things. Holler at me on Monday. Don't holler at me over the weekend. The email's on bounce. I should, if I'm on social media, please tell me to get off social media. Say, Noah, get off social media. You don't belong here right now. Thank you to our backers. That would be our, all of our backers, number one, but also our, our sustaining backers. Mark Balthazar, Jan Budman, Paul F., Lonnie Hanson, Ari Hursten, Sam Kinkin, Sammy Mustry, Sidney Guillory, Jeremy Charles Hahn, Emily Gillette, Brittany, and Elaine. 
You can join them. Maybe you become the 350th or 351st backer of No Persinium at patreon.com slash no Persinium. If you're listening to this on Saturday, October 24th, it's my birthday. I, uh, <laughs> sorry. Thank you as always to our executive editor, Catherine Yu, without whom we would be just eternally on fire. As it stands, we're only on fire half the time. She just got done working on Indiecade and uh, just got, uh, is also doing projects for grad school there at, uh, uh, as, as part of the games program. So uh, hopefully she's having a good week. Thank you to the team at uh, NoPro and at Everything Immersive, the site, for stepping up and covering the gaps. Um, we know we're, we're, leaving, <laughs> we're leaving a void by us being away. Thank you to the mod team at the Everything Immersive Facebook group um, for just, just you know, they're, they're, it's, that can be emotional labor. It can be emotional labor to, uh, to, to mod a group, I'm not going to lie. There, there are days when you go, what just happened to my Saturday morning? why uh and uh but you do it you do it because uh someone's got to apparently uh facebook doesn't pay any of us to do it but someone's got to and uh and if it wasn't for the the good nature and the good humor and uh and and indeed the internal gentleness of of all those people uh on uh in the ad in the in the mod group um wouldn't it be easy to do what we do um, this has become the, the Noah thank, thankful part. And like, I'm old now. I'm just going to thank people. Uh, seriously, thank you to all our backers. Uh, thank you for putting up with us through, through whatever strange world we go into next. Thank you for staying with us through this pivot into this digital world. There's a lot to talk about. Uh, I've seen, you know, like all the people working in GatherTown and like like the, the, the format stuff that's going on there. All the people who are working in VR and all the all the... The, the, the macro political, but also like the actual design, like changes that are happening. We're part of what remains the most interesting part of creative culture. Full stop. Because one, we have every single issue. I guess we're getting a rant. One, we have every single issue that the rest of the art and entertainment world has. And then we have the fact that we are in emerging territory. We are in places where uh, no one else has gone. No one else has been. It's very Star Trek of us. I know this is a, this is the, in this house we live by Star Wars rules, but we're also Star Trek fans. There's definitely days when uh, we pin on the badge, we beam up, we go do the job. Hey, we work in space. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for being. Um, Thank you, even when it's driving me nuts. Thank you for being such a wonderful part of my little life. And with that, one last thing to thank you for. Well, actually, two more things. One, thank you to Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society for providing our music. And thank you for wearing the mask. The mask.